Well, welcome back to Theology in Action. My name is Tony Caffey. I'm the pastor of Verse by Verse Fellowship here in San Antonio. And I'm here today with my good friend, Keith Mirror. Hey, Keith, good to see you. Great, great seeing you. Keith is married to Pat, and they have one daughter, Erin, and y'all live here in San Antonio. Keith, you were one of the first people that I interacted with when I came to San Antonio about a year and a half ago, and uh, I guess I just want to say thanks. Thanks for taking an interest in me. I'm your pastor, and you've been attending church here at Verse by Verse, but right off the bat, when we started you know, hanging out and spending time together, having lunch together, you shared your story about being a completed Jew, which was really neat, just hearing how the Lord um, had led you to a place where you came to faith in Jesus. And I, that's a great place to start, I think. What what does that mean, Keith, to be a completed Jew? Well, I'm glad you're glad that I'm a completed Jew. Actually, <laughs> I'm really glad I'm a completed Jew. Uh, actually, I was raised Jewish, and I'm um, from New York originally. And uh, as, as time went on, I had several things that happened in my life that made me kind of question uh, where I was in my relationship with God. Um, the, uh, to define completed Jew, the way I look at it, it is going from the Hebrew Bible and then going into the New Testament or the, the Christian Bible, if you will, mm-hmm. and carrying some of the Hebrew Bible into the Christian Bible and combining them both, mm-hmm. but ending up with believing and, and following Christ. Mm-hmm. So that that's a simple definition, but that's what it is. Um, but as I, I, as I was growing up in New York, um, my family, we, we kind of celebrated different you know, Jewish holidays and things like that. We did not go to temple all the time. Um, and you know, the way I was brought up is in order to have any kind of formal prayer, uh, you, you had to have 10 men with you. It's oh. called a minion. Okay, and uh, and the reason I'm mentioning that because it has some effect on some of my decisions. Um, so you couldn't pray by yourself or warning. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody ever said you couldn't. Yeah, but I was always taught you needed ten men present, and it was a formal kind of prayer type type of thing. Um, when I was about, I guess, eight years old, my mother died. She had mm-hmm. cancer. And she uh, she was probably one of the bravest people I knew. They gave her five months, and she lasted five years. Um, and she it would never let anything stop her from taking care of myself and my sister. But when she died uh, in the Jewish religion, the oldest son has to say a certain prayer called okay. the Moranus Kaddish. Okay. And... Uh, I, I remember parts of it even today. And my grandfather, who was an Orthodox Jew, my father on my my grandfather on my fa- my mother's side, excuse me, uh, would take me to temple almost every day shortly after she died uh, and and be part of the service. And three times during the service, those who were in mourning would have to stand up and recite this prayer in English, Hebrew, no Hebrew, Hebrew. And I mean, there was English with it, but you, you said it in Hebrew. And um, it was really starting to affect me, mm. and it was really depressing because every time I'd get up, it'd bring back my mother's death to me, and, and we brought back also at the funeral, 
I had to say it at the grave. And, you know, you picture an eight or nine-year-old boy having to go through this. It, it was really, really gut-wrenching. But um, it made me start to think. And uh, even at that age, my father put a stop to it because he just realized it was just... He saw it was hurting you. It was hurting me, and it was yeah. not doing anything well for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I found myself praying at my bed by myself, hmm. and I would end the prayer with, in your name. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember that distinctly, and that's a long time ago. Um, and I, you know, I think when, when people say, well, when did you become a Christian? Um, I guess I can officially say it was in, in February of 1969 is when I, when I became a Christian. And, um, but I really think the Holy Spirit started working on me when I was nine. So who, whose name were you thinking when you said in your name? God's, just God's name. Just God's. Okay. So generically. Yes. The just, just, yes. Sovereign just, authority of the universe. Exactly. Okay. And, um, and, you know, as I, as I moved along, I'd find myself doing a lot of that prayer. Now, part of the ritual, again, when my mother passed, was uh, the family sits, does a thing called sitting shiva. And that is, uh, again, you have 10 men who come to the house, yeah. and you all sit on these little stools. And, uh, and, and I guess in, in ancient times, uh, they would cut a piece of your clothing to show that you were in mourning. Uh, the more modern days, they had a ribbon that they would cut, and you'd wear this ribbon. And uh, now I was not considered a man then. I was nine. I wasn't 13. Right. So uh, I didn't have to do that, but everybody else did, mm. and uh, men. And, uh, and you know, I just saw the, the outpouring of, of, of sadness, and, and it, was, uh, it was really difficult for me. So I, I kept thinking to myself, there has to be a better way. I mean, there has to be something that's more meaningful and more personal. And that's when I started to pray. I didn't make a big deal about it, didn't tell anybody I was doing it, but I did it. And uh, I did that for quite a while. Um, if you want me to continue, I can... Uh, yeah, I finished high school, let's say college. Yeah, but, yeah we, moved, we moved, well, we moved, my father met another per a woman and okay. married, it was my stepmother, and, and, and she had two, two girls. So um, we had myself, my sister, who was helped raising me after I, my mother passed, and, um, and she was like five years older than I was, and then uh, my two stepsisters, if you will. Yeah. And then my mother and father, or my stepmother step and father, had two more children, a, a boy and a girl. So now we had, you know, we had a mob scene. <laughs> we, I had four sisters and a brother. I kind of lived in a nylon jungle where, you know, the <laughs> nylons hanging over the bathroom and everything. But anyway, we moved uh, to the suburbs out of New York City. And um, I started going to high school. And I was always kind of searching. You know, I, I just, um, it, was, it was strange. I, I'd go to different churches with people. But I know I always dated if I was dating, dated uh, somebody who was Jewish. That's just part of the culture. You yep. just date someone who's Jewish. And I think I dated one Christian girl, and I thought my parents were going to, you know, go insane and die <laughs> on the spot. But um, And nothing ever came of it. But uh, And then I went 
from the, from uh, high school, I went to college, and I went to Boston University, and um, there a very large Jewish population there. Several really nice temples, and um, one year uh, Yom Kippur for Yom Kippur, which is the High Holy Day, it's the Day yeah. of Atonement. It's a day when you're you're making up for all the sins that you have committed, right. and because of that, you don't eat. Uh, you only drink water if it's necessary. You don't use money. You don't watch TV. You don't do any entertainment. That kind of thing. And um, some of the kids I knew in the dorm said, well, you know, there's this temple down the street. Why don't we go there for for uh, Yom Kippur? And I said, okay. So we went down there, and uh, the service was begun. And this is one of the few times I heard the service partially in English. Oh. So at, at part of the service, everybody stands up and reads out of the, the sitter, which is the prayer book, um, asking for forgiveness for things you've done. And there's actually a list. And I happened to look at the English side. And I was, you know, I actually was upset because it was asking, yeah, there were things in there I did, but there were a, a lot of things like uh, theft and, and, you know, coveting someone else's wife and yeah. all this other stuff that um, I said, you know, I have enough that I have to ask for forgiveness for. <laughs> I don't need to ask for stuff I haven't done. Yeah. And I sat down. Oh, and that, and I Is mean, that out of line it wasn't planned. I, yeah, because you must be standing up, and, and, and it wasn't planned. It's just I just sat down, and uh, that did not go over real big. <laughs> um, and then, uh, as at the end of the service, uh, they I guess they were planning a new building because I I wasn't a member of that temple or anything, but they were going to do a new plan a new building, and uh, they asked for donations for the building. And they passed a plate around or something. And I kept thinking to myself, wait a minute, we're not even supposed to be using money on Yom Kippur. And, oh. it, and they're asking for donations for the building. So, you know, it just, and maybe those are little things, and they probably are, but it just really reinforced my, my feeling that I had to find something else. And I did, uh, I did attend some other services, other churches and stuff uh, in Boston, not just once, just to see what it was like. Uh, I would talk to some Christian friends and stuff. Um, when I graduated college, I went into the Air Force and uh, got commissioned and went to Wichita Falls, Texas. And that's where the I'm, promised land, the right? Promised of land, Texas. That's right. I had no idea where it was. People <laughs> kept saying it was in a panhandle. I didn't know anything about Texas other than this, than San Antonio, where I was went through basic training and everything. Um, but we, uh, you know, so I was going to Wichita Falls, Texas, and when I went there, I I, I realized what great people were up there. I mean, it was just really great people, mm. and um, met. So, some people who have meant a lot to me. One of them was a man by the name of Tom Darling, who actually ended up being my father-in-law. Mm -hmm. Did not know that at the time. I didn't even know he had a daughter, um, but he was very much involved with the, you know, with the city. Mm -hmm. uh, he was he was in the oil business, but he was, uh, you know, he was chairman of the Air Force Association, or president of the Air Force Association, and he was chairman of the. Uh, Chamber of Commerce Military Affairs Committee. So because I was a public affairs officer, I got, got to know him and um, really liked him. He was a Christian, 
met he and his wife, and his, his wife, his name was Eddie, and she uh, was a true, true, true loving Christian. Mm. She lived the Bible. She really did. And so I really liked them. And I met Pat on base. She was working on base, did not know who she was. Mm -hmm. And um, on our first date, she gave me her testimony. Oh, wow. We, we were just talking. I mean, I didn't, you know, she didn't say, I have to give you my testimony or anything. Uh, it was just, uh, we were talking. And I was telling her about, just like I'm saying now, about things that had happened to me. And, she, and so she gave me her testimony of how she came to Christ and how much he means to her. And as she talked, she had a tear coming down her face. And, you know, I was, I really admired her because she was, she, well, she really is smart um, and she's very practical. But when I started hearing this, I said, there's got to be something there. And that's where it's, that's where the, the formal part started. So her, when she's talking about, you know, the Lord, she's talking about Jesus, is these, I'm, you're familiar, I'm sure, with Christianity at this point and yes. some of the core beliefs. But um, you know, where were you in terms of your understanding? With uh, very mixed up. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, I, just to go way back to my childhood, the only church I ever saw, whatever, if you would, was in my neighborhood, and it was a church. I was I happened to walk by it on a Sunday. And people were screaming and yelling, and they, they were speaking <laughs> okay. in tongues is what it was. But they were screaming and yelling. I'm saying, whoa, what is this? It's <laughs> crazy Christians. <laughs> yeah, crazy Christians. I, I don't want to be anything like that. But anyway, but Pat was showing me the very gentle side of it. And it, it, this went on for quite a while with discussion because I was really reaching, and she knew I was trying to find something. Mm -hmm. um, I would bring Pat home from, from a date. And I would sit there and talk to her mother till one or two in the morning. Her mother was a night person. Mm -hmm. uh, she'd be up to three or four in the morning, either studying the Bible or getting ready to teach Sunday school or watering plants, whatever. And um, we would sit there and just talk and talk. So uh, Pat, you know, I kind of followed her lead. And she took me, she said, you know, why don't you come to church with me? And, you know, you may, because I was picturing what happened when I was young. <laughs> they're they're going to yell well, at me. <laughs> okay. So we, we did. We went to church, and her pastor was, I don't know if you knew or know from Landrum Level. Uh -uh. Landrum Level uh, was a, uh, a phenomenal pastor. Phenomenal pastor. Uh, he would speak all over the country. He was, you know, very Southern Baptist. He'd pound on the podium, you know, things like that. But pastored and, in Wichita Falls is his Yes. At First church? Baptist Church in, in Wichita Falls was a big church. They had about 6,000 members. I mean, it was a, a big church. Mm -hmm. And um, Pat said, you know, maybe it would be good for you to meet Dr. Lovell okay. and, and, and chat with him. You know, I mean, and I'm saying, okay, this is the man who was up there doing his thing. And uh, we did. We went and made an appointment and went to visit him. And I talked to him and told him my story, just like I'm telling you. And I was very surprised. He was very quiet-spoken. Um, he gave me some books to read. Oh. You know, I don't, I'll have to tell you, I don't even remember the titles because we're talking, you know, 50, 60, year, 50 years ago. Um, but he said, I want you to read these and let's discuss them. And then we, we can just go from there. You know, no one's pressuring you. 
mm, to, to walk down the aisle, to get baptized. You just need to read this, and you need to try to understand. And I'll be here to answer questions, and Pat will be available, and you know Pat's mom will be available. So that's fine. So that's what I did. And uh, I'm going to say that was about, I guess, about five or six, over four to five months we were doing this. And um, finally, it started to sink in how important it was. And we even went, Pat's parents would go to church on Sunday morning, and we would go Sunday night just so that it was just us. It wasn't any obligation to her parents or anything like that. So we would go Sunday night, and, and you know, we would talk, and, and I learned a lot. I really did. And so uh, at some point, well, in February of that year, I, uh, I said, I think I'm ready. And I walked down the aisle, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was baptized. Uh, I guess that same day? Late. No, no, about, I think a week or two later. Okay. I think Landon wanted, Dr. Lovell wanted to make sure, you know, that I was sure what I was doing, because <laughs> that's that's kind of a big step. I oh, mean, totally. You know, if, you, if you're Presbyterian, you become a Baptist is one thing, but if you're Jewish, you become a Baptist, <laughs> that's a whole nother world. And um, so that, you know, we, we did that, and um, we, we were married that March. Now, so it was like bam, bam, bam. Yeah, but you know, it, it's an interesting story there too. Because first of all, I asked Pat. I told Pat we were going to get married on a first date. Oh, and went home and said, "Brave what man, world, what in the world did you do?" And and uh, I just felt it. It just came out, and we ended up. You know, I think we each went on one or two other dates, but we call each other when we got back to our respective apartments or whatever, and. Um, People would think, I imagine, that since I became a, a Christian uh, in February and we were married in March, it was one of these, well, you become a Christian so you can get married. And one of the things Pat told me, and the reason we had some time between when I went down the aisle and when I was baptized, she said, if you're becoming a Christian to marry me, we're not getting married. <laughs> Good job, Pat. Well done. And, and I mean, she just said it that to me. She just looked me right in the eye and said it to me. And I said, well, yeah, I can understand that, but uh, that's not the reason. Mm. So, um, you know, so the, the marriage went through. I, you know, a, a side story to that, I told my parents, you know, I told them I'm getting married. Yeah. And when my mother died, she left me her engagement ring. And it was my father's safe. And I said, Dad, I want my, the mom's engagement ring yeah. because I'm getting married. He said, oh, well, you know, who are you getting married to? And, and I, I kind of told him. And I said, you need to know also that I've become a Christian. And he and it was dead silence on the other side of the phone. And he said, I'll never forget, he said, do you know what this will do to your mother, meaning my stepmother? And I said, well, Dad, no, I don't. Um, you know, I can imagine, but I don't. And he said, I'm not sure if we can come to the wedding. Mm. He said it a little more forcibly than that, but I'll, I'll be nice about it. And I said, Dad, I'm a lieutenant in the Air Force. I have a lot of responsibility. I'm 20, um, you know, I guess I was 25. I'm 25 years old. I can't select who I'm going to marry based on you all being happy about it. So I'm getting married. I would very much like you 
and, and mom to, you know, and the kids to, to come to the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I'm not really not sure. Well, I called my oldest sister, the one who helped raise me, and, and you know, told her about it. And uh, you had to know my sister Doris, but she called my dad up and said, Keith, just talk to me. I'm going to the wedding. If you're not there, you're not my father. Wow. So, <laughs> and I first thing I thought of, oh, Lord, now, you know, so now I'm splitting up the family. Well, they all came. Good. And they fell absolutely in love with Pat and especially her mother and father. As a matter of fact, they stayed a week extra when Pat and I went on a honeymoon to, to be with them. And, you know, so even, you know, no matter when it was, uh, when they would call, I'd get two minutes and she'd get 15. So it was just one of those things. So, you know, the good Lord was in on that. There was a lot of prayer, but the good Lord was certainly in on that. Well, thank you, Keith. It's exciting to hear that story and how the Lord, even from your prayers as a young child, was starting to draw you to that place at age 25, gave your life uh, to yes. the Lord. Yes. So... And the Lord has continued to work in your life. You and Pat have been married for many years now. 54 years uh, last month. 54. And I know that you've been active here in San Antonio, so I kind of want to pivot and talk about that because sure. you've had a pretty neat career here uh, working in different locations. Specifically, uh, I want to just highlight uh, your work with the H.E. Butt Foundation here in San Antonio. You know, H.E.B. is a big... Uh, company here right. based out of San Antonio. Uh, and you've had a role in helping, um, I guess, the, how would you say it, the, the uh, philanthropical side of the, the organization? Well, it, it, you know, it really, um, you know, the grocery company itself is extremely philanthropical. During World War One, Howard Sr., uh, which was my boss's father, and he had he was instrumental in starting the company as it is now, or he did start as it is now, uh, went into the Navy. And when he came out of the Navy, he came to work for the grocery company. Mm. And he took it over, and he developed it, and, you know, took lots of chances and, you know, yep. very gutsy moves uh, to, uh, to, to move the company forward. And finally, it took, and they started doing well and doing better, and they wanted to be able to give back to the community, so they started a foundation, mm. and that was in the 30s. Mm. Uh, that's what it was, uh, to to be able to give money to places that need it. And um, so they, they developed that. One of Mr. Butt Sr.'s uh, goals was he his big treat was when he was younger, uh, since they had no money, um, was to go out to someone's ranch, a friend's ranch, during the summer and work on the ranch. That was like a big treat to him, being out there in the outdoors and so forth and so on. And so he wanted to find a place where kids could go. And so he and uh, Mary Holdsworth, but his wife, um, decided they wanted to buy some place that they can use for this type of program to bring kids out. And so they could go camping, especially inner city kids from anywhere. If they couldn't afford it, that's fine. It would go for free. And so they bought the ranch, which is, it was called the Wolf Ranch then, up about 
I think it was about 50 miles from Kerrville, uh, and bought the ranch and hoped, as Mrs. Butt Sr. said, uh, or Mary Holdsworth Butt said, uh, she was hoping to be able to have maybe 100 kids a year go, go camping. Just to tell you how they've developed in the last few years, they've had over 24,000 kids go camping for free mm-hmm. in their camp. So that was the basis of the foundation. Um, when my boss, Howard Butt Jr., mm-hmm. uh, became of age, he uh, was very much involved with his beliefs in Christianity. And he went to Baylor. Um, he uh, wanted to become a pastor of some kind, but of course he was in the family, so he became a member of the company. Um, he was uh, he was a vice president and became eventually vice chairman of the board. Uh, but his his love was still in the Lord. So what he would do is he would work all week long, and on weekends he would go around the country uh, doing revivals. And okay. I mean all over the country. And when he when he'd come back, his wife, Barbara Dan, would meet him at the airport and give him, have a change of clothes, and he'd go right to work at wow. the company. High motor, huh? High motor. High motor. And How did you get connected with Howard, and then how did your relationship well, uh, develop? Well, interesting story. Um, I was working at Methodist uh, Healthcare uh, at, at, at the, the the company here in San Antonio. Antonio. Yes, and um, we, uh, I, as one of my jobs, I was I was vice president for communications for the system. So uh, one of my jobs was to relate with the community, obviously, and I had a dual purpose here because I was going to Trinity Baptist Church at the time, and Buckner Fanning was the pastor. And he announced that Billy Graham was coming to town to do a revival. And what um, year was this? That gosh, that had to be late 79, 80, in that okay. time frame, maybe a little later than that. Okay. In that time frame. And um I was the Lord kind of led me to, to think, well, you know, I may want to help with this. So I put my name in as a volunteer. I said I'll do anything. Well, sure, I don't care. And uh, again, showing you how the Lord works, uh, the person who was the chairman of all this was the president of the Baptist Health System. And I knew him because of working with Methodist Healthcare. And um, I ha- received a call from him one night and he said, um, Are you interested in working with the communications committee? Radio, television, people, whatever. And I said, Well, yeah, that's what I do for a living. And he said, um, why don't you come to this meeting? And I went to the meeting and um, thought, okay, I'll sign up. I'll volunteer for that. I'll be one of the committee people and help. And as it turned out, he called me again and said, you know, we've been interviewing all these people to be chair of that committee. And none of them really fit the mold of what we want. Um, he said, would you be interested in applying for it? And I said, well, if it, you know, I prayed about it and said, yeah, if, if that's what you want. And I did, and they did. <laughs> so I became chair of that organization, which really had a one-year commitment to it. Now, that didn't excuse you from work. That just said you had a one-year commitment to it. So I spoke to my CEO, and he was very gracious about it and said, yeah, you know, as long as you can do your job and everything, that's fine. I encourage you to do it. 
So we did. And we, you know, planned things, did things. Uh, Mr. Graham's uh, PR person from a firm, his name was Larry Ross. He's up in Dallas. And Larry came to town and we got to be good friends. And, you know, I, I set up meetings with him with the media and we did all those things. And that lasted a year getting all that ready. When we finally were getting close, uh, Mr. Graham came to town and um, we, uh, you know, we got to meet him at, at a function and, and it was great. Uh, we, one of the things you do is have a press conference. Yeah. And he meets with the media. It's usually on the Thursday, bef- no, the Tuesday, start on a Thursday. So the Tuesday before the actual revival starts. And uh, I came in to, you know, fully prepared. And, and, you know, it was, I mean, you have probably 100 media outlets there. But some of it is pre-planned, so, you, so it gets organized. You don't go, go crazy with all kinds of weird questions and stuff. So you have some of the folks who you know who follow him around who we were going to select. So I was meeting with the chairman of the thing, and he said, uh, would you, uh, he said, would you mind meeting with Mr. Graham? Mm-hmm. And by the way, they call him Mr. Graham. I have to tell you, this is his insistence. Not Pastor Graham. Not Pastor and not Doctor. Okay. He His doctorate is an honorary doctorate, and he refuses to use that as a title. So he uses Mr. You know, Mr. Graham. And some people call him Reverend Graham and, and that type of thing because he has, you know, he has been with some churches. But um, he, uh, anyway, so I walked in, and the first thing he said to me was, uh, forgive me for not standing up, but I hurt my back a while back, and I, and I said, don't, don't worry about it. So we shook hands, and we sat down, and he said, uh, tell me about yourself. You know, how did you come to Christ? So I told him, I'm a completed Jew. Yeah, I did. I told him that, and and I mean, I didn't wasn't as long as this, but it was about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, because yeah. he kept asking questions. Yeah, and then he said, uh, "Would you mind praying with me?" Mm. And I said, "Of course not." You know, so we we prayed, and you know, it just it was just magic. It was magic time. As a matter of fact, it was so magic. Just before we went into the press conference. Uh, I went to a payphone. We had payphones then, uh, in in at the uh, arena, and I and I called Pat and I said, I just gave my testimony to Billy Graham, and which is one of my well, one of the highlights of my life, obviously. So we we went through the press conference. Couldn't tell you a detail about the press conference. Of I was such a fog. <laughs> uh, went through the press conference. We went through all of the events. Um, worked, I worked on the floor, worked with the media on the floor. Um, you know, we're directing them along with Larry Ross, his, his person. Anyway, this went on for the three days. It was just magical, just absolutely magical. No one got any sleep, but it was absolutely magical and went through all of that. And then he left. And I'm going to say about six months later, I received a phone call from a headhunter and I was still working at Methodist Healthcare, uh, and he said, uh, your name was given to us because an unknown organization, uh, I can't tell you, well, he said, what he said was, I can't tell you the name of the organization, but it's a non-profit Christian-based organization, and they are looking for somebody to begin or start a, a communications office. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested? And I kind of 
piqued my interest a little bit because I'd gotten calls before, but for some reason this really piqued my interest and said, uh, well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, what can you tell me? You know, and he said, well, they're outside of San Antonio, but, uh, you know, the, per the people are well known. And, and he just went through some basic stuff. And I said, well, what do I need to do? And he said, you need to go through some testing about uh, your personality testing. And, and then he said, um, and, and an interview, a telephone interview. So I said, all right. It doesn't hurt. And I told my boss, you know, our CEO, what I was doing. And he said, that's fine. It doesn't hurt to, to do those things. And uh, went through it, uh, did the testing. The interview was supposed to take 15 minutes. Uh, unfortunately, I was there for 45. It was done on, by phone. And, um, and then I was notified and they said, well, we'd like you to interview with this organization. And I said, okay, do you want to give me a hint of who this organization is? And they said, it's the uh, H.E. Butt Foundation and Laity Lodge. Now, we had been going to Laity Lodge through our church. Oh, okay. So I so was familiar with Laity Lodge. Yeah, I was familiar with it. We had gone there about at least once a year. And they, I said, fine. And they said, um, "You're, uh, what do I need to do? And they said, well, your first interview is going to be at Mr. Butt's house, Howard Butt Jr.'s house, uh, with some of the staff. I said, okay. And they gave me time and date. And I got there and uh, sat in one of the chairs in the library. And Mr. Butt came in and, and Barbara and Mrs. Butt came in. And uh, I think their vice president and about, uh, I think David Rogers, his son-in-law, they, they, they all came in and we sat and we chatted. And it was really an inspiring time. It was an exciting time for me, actually. And they said, okay, the next thing you're going to do is you need to go up to their offices in Kerrville. Were you willing to do that? Yeah, I was willing to do that. Went up there and, and talked to them for a while. And meanwhile, they were doing a national search, uh, which, which I knew, which was fine. I mean, I just kind of left it up to the Lord. I mean, I, I was doing what I was supposed to do. And if it worked out. That's what he wanted me to do. If it didn't work out, that's what he wanted me to do. So we, you know, just went through all these different things. And um, I was notified, you know, uh, I don't know. It took about eight weeks of these interviews. And then uh, I was notified saying that uh, we are interested in, in bringing you on board. Hmm. So, I, you know, in my mind, I had to think about several things. Um, one was... Um, I was a vice president at Methodist Healthcare System, and I was going to be a director at the uh, foundation. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, well, that's going backwards a little bit, but okay, that's not a big deal. Um, they At first, they wanted me to move to Kerrville. I would have to move to Kerrville because the offices are there and because that's where the camps are outside of Kerrville, you know, so you're going to be going to all those places. And I said, I don't think I can do that because I'm on boards and whatever stuff here. I'm involved with the other community things here. And, and I said, but I'd be willing to commute, uh, which I think shocked everybody, including me, um, because that's about a 55 minute drive yeah. each way. Yeah. It's a good way. Uh, once again, the Lord interceded, and they said that'd be okay, which really worked out for everybody's benefit because I spent a lot of time with Mr. and Mrs. Butt at their house. I uh, traveled with them. So 
if I was in Kerrville, I'd have to drive back to do those things. And um, I, I maintained some of these other boards and stuff I was with. And because the major media, out, media outlets were here in town, not in Kerrville. Mm -hmm. So we agreed I would do that. And the blessing out of that, besides being too able to work with everybody, was that um, those that one hour going up and back from Kerrville, I was always driving against traffic. So traffic was always going the opposite direction. I used that time. I could pray. Uh, I could listen to radio. At that time, make phone calls. I mean, whatever I had to do while I was driving because it got to be a habit after a while. Mm -hmm. So I was driving. So I was doing about 110 miles a day. But it was a blessing to do that. How long did you work with the foundation? I worked Keith? with them for about uh, 11 years. Okay. Um, one of, one of the big highlights for that was um, every two years, the foundation sponsored a thing called the Laity Lodge Forum, which was designed for Fortune uh, 500 CEOs, board chairmen, board members uh, of national companies to talk about faith at work, because that was Howard's goal in life, mm -hmm. is to expose everybody with the concept of faith at work. And um, in order to do that, Howard wrote, has written several books, mm -hmm. uh, which was one of the jobs I had to help Mark. And just to that. clarify, Howard yeah. is the Howard son Bunch, Jr. of yeah, the he, founders yeah. of HEB. Yes, yes, yeah. he, he was the son. He was the one that would work during the week and then weekends mm -hmm. go and, and do revivals. Um, I don't think people really know that HEB has that history. Has yeah, that. yeah and, and they really are separate. You know, the family is very gracious about it. Uh, they do keep them very separate. And the, the grocery company has always supported the foundation, mm -hmm. but they never make a connection to where, gee, look what we're doing kind of thing. That's just not the, not the personality of either the company or the foundation. So everybody's proud of being part of the family, that family, but not necessarily connecting them and making one, one individual unit. And it's one of the largest privately owned companies still in the country in existence. In the country. Yeah.